Amen. Well, I want you to take off your grown-up hat today for a second. Put on your junior high school or your middle school hat. Give me some action words. Just spout them back to me. Action words. Fun. Fun. Good. I like fun. What else? Play. Panic. Run. Work. You had to say work. Um, these are action words or words that take our mind to a place of movement or fun or work or play or whatever the word may be. It takes us to a place beyond just sedentary, beyond just staying in the same old, same old and doing the same old, same old. That's kind of where we found ourselves in this passage today from Luke 6, if you want to turn there. Uh, I want to share with you today from verses 46 to 49 together, Jesus' teaching. And I'm having some speech issues today I ask you to be patient with or follow it up or, or not. Um, but verse 46, picking up before we pick up in chapter 6 of Luke, Jesus is speaking. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for those who come to me and hear my words and put them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But those who hear my words and do not put them into practice are like a man that built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Four things I want us to see today from this, this teaching of putting these words, these active words into practice. First of, first of which is this. Active words require us to do something. They require us to do something. Look again. 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say. All these imply some action. Now, the scripture is full of story after story from the likes of Moses and Noah, Abraham, David, Peter, Paul. <clears throat> Stories of action that followed instruction. Action that followed instruction. Now, what happens here as well in, in, in the implication of Jesus and it happened in each one of those stories is that action followed instruction and blessing followed action every time. So if we'll learn to act on his instruction, on his word, on his active word, we'll find ourselves blessed by the action that we take in his name and on behalf of his word. Again and again, story after story is true from the word of God about, about that. So as we learn to apply, as we learn to live out, as we learn to walk out, the truths of his word, blessing follows that. <clears throat> These words are, of Jesus are, are great in theory and great in theology, but when applied, when lived, when, when skin is put on them and, and, and they're walked out and lived out and spoken in our culture today, uh, the, the, it moves beyond just theory and theology. It moves into action. The question that he's asking here in verse 46 is, in essence, if you're referring to me as master, you call me Lord, Lord, Master. That's in essence what that means. Ruler, boss, authority. If you're calling me Lord, Lord, if you're, if you're referring to me, to me as Master, Ruler, boss, 
Where's the service? Where's the practice? Where's the, where's the acts of submission and acts of, uh, acts of service that follow this, this idea of my being master and ruler? Um, Coach Barnes was asked about a week ago about his defense is improving. Now, they didn't show a lot of improvement last night. They got scorched, the defense did. But he was asked about a week ago about how his defense holds every opponent to their season low point, point average. And expecting, I guess the, the person who asked the question, expecting some great uh, silver bullet answer, he says, well, we work at it. <laughs> you know, we work on it. And that's to say, the answer to good defense is hard work. There is no silver bullet to hard work. There is no silver bullet to, or e easy way out of avoiding the action that God speaks to us about and from his word. So the question today is this, and many of us would say, well, I just don't know enough. I don't know enough scripture. I can't quote enough scripture. I can't pray well enough. I don't know enough verses. I don't, I don't have enough mileage in the faith. My, my root system <clears throat> is not as deep as it should be. And so consequently, when I know more, what I want you to hear is every bit of that's from the enemy. When I know more, I can walk more. I can live out more. I can be more active in my faith with, with the truths of God's word. Here's my question for you today. Are you living what you know? Are you putting, what you, whether, whether you know a little or a lot, are you putting what you know today already into action? Is there, is there action on the, on, the, on the scripture that you do know, on the principles of God's word that you are familiar with? Is there action that, that's already following what you already know? Only you can answer that for you and me for me. That active words, his active word requires us to do something. Move beyond just a place of idleness and mediocrity and mundane, mundaneness. Secondly, active words not only require us to do something, but make practice perfect. Look at verse 47. They make practice perfect. As for those who come to me and hear my words, and watch, put them into practice. I will show you what they're like. As for those who put my words into practice. And as he's saying, hearing is believing, and believing should be doing. Believing should be practice. Hearing, believing, and believing practice. I had a conversation about three or four weeks ago with a Catholic gentleman who told me he wasn't a practicing Catholic. And I said, what exactly is not a practicing Catholic? He said, well, I don't go to Mass, and I don't, you know, I don't, do, I don't have much association with the church, but, but I'm still a Catholic nonetheless. So how is that? How does that work? Uh, he said, well, I'm just not a what's called a practicing Catholic. I said, so you're not much of a Catholic at all. Man. He said, well, you put it that way, probably not. This, and this idea, I, I juxtaposed that this, this past week with the idea of our being a practicing Christian as opposed just to one in name only. I wonder if we practice the things of the faith, if we practice the word of God, if we put it into practice and test it and prove it and find it to be worthy of our time and our service and our attention and our energies and our gifts and our strengths or if we theorize about our faith and think, man, that would look good if I, if I just knew more. I, I, I could put more into practice if I just had more experience, more knowledge, more, more, more life experience to where God has shown up again and again and I can, I can root myself in him. Just, I just need, I need more than I have. Instead of practicing what we already know and putting into practice these things that we've, as, as, as I say, have already been taught to us. It's hard to understand how we can either read or 
hear the words of God and see them as enlightening, but never put them into practice. See them as, well, that's, that's good truth. Sometimes we sit here on Sunday and, and the Spirit will speak to you from, from God's Word and, and He'll say to you, man, that's good truth. That, that's, that's good food. That, I mean, chew on that. And yet, we leave and walk out these doors and on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. It's hard to put those good truths that, 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 that meet that you've had on Sunday into action. I wonder why that's the case. Listen to these words from Philippians chapter 2. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in in my presence, but much more in my absence. Continue to watch this, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act for his good purpose, for his good pleasure. God who works in you to work out our salvation, in essence, to give our salvation a workout so that it sweats. How sweaty is your faith? How, how, how expended is your energy on things in life that really matter? Uh, Rick Barnes, Rob Black, every coach never faces their first practice against an opponent or for an opponent if they don't have a game plan in place. The game plan is we're going to do this on defense, we're going to do this on offense, we're going to line up here. And that game plan is what moves the practice forward. It's what makes the practice make sense. The idea here is, that he's trying to get across in verse 47, is as we put this book into practice, this book makes more sense. And as we put more of it into practice, it makes more sense. As we put more into practice, and it's self-perpetuating. The more we practice it, the deeper our hunger is to walk in it and feed on it and learn from it and put it, put it in, into more practice. Uh, that's, this, that same principle is true spiritually as it is athletically. The more we put it into practice, the hungrier we are to know more. And the more his words are always for our good, but if we fail to put that knowledge into practice, we miss we miss experiencing his best, I think oftentimes because we're not willing to put into practice what we already know. And I, and I miss God's best. I, I get good. I get faithful. I get, but I miss God's best for me because my practice is mediocrity. And I, I learned to settle for practicing mediocrity with him as opposed to looking, looking for a deeper place. We'll talk more about that in just a second. Active words make practice perfect. They require us to do something to make practice perfect. Thirdly, active words spring from a plan of action. Look at verse 48. They spring from a plan of action. It's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. He dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. Did you know that before you were, you were conceived, God had, a, God had a blueprint for your life. Before you were ever born, before, before conception ever occurred, God had a spiritual blueprint for your life. Had a design, a divine design for you before you ever birthed into this world, both spiritually and physically. Uh, and just as there is divine design to every, every cell and every piece of DNA in your body, there is, there is spiritual design to how you put your actions into, in, into, the, into the part of your story that others see day after day. Listen to these familiar, familiar verses from Jeremiah 29, 11. That's where I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper, not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God is saying, I've planned for you. I've made preparation for you. I had a conversation this past week with uh, Brother Tom, the pastor here at Spring Place. 
Christmas Eve. And he's, he's trying his best to bring restoration and resurrection and, and a new fire uh, in, in, into the life of the, those few folks that are attending here. And he, he was sharing with me a little bit of vision about that. And uh, I said, Tom, it's got to have feet on it. You know, you can talk about it to your church. You can share it with me. But it's got to have feet on it. If you're going to if you're going to reach these kinds of folks, you're going to have to make a plan for them. And a plan that, that, that when they walk through the door, they feel like somebody has made preparation for that. He said, well, you know, I never thought of it that way. I said, well, why would we want to reach someone that we've not already thought about, that we've not, not already made a plan for? And that's exactly what God is saying here. He's saying, when you dig down deeper, you find plans that, that you'll never discover apart from the deeper place. Proverbs uh, chapter 19 says this, Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans of a man's heart. In essence, we want to do good. We want, to, we want our plans to succeed. But Proverbs says, it's God's plans for us are the ones that succeed. It's God's plans for us, his design for us, and in us and through us are the things that prevail. His words will not compete for your attention or your time. They don't compete for your time and attention. So how do we get there? Well, we've got to dig a little deeper to see the deeper truths of his word and put those, put those deeper truths into, action, into a plan of action. So the more we do that, the, dig, the, more, the more often we dig deeper, the more we discover, the more we discover, the more we put into practice, the more we put into practice, the hungry we are to discover even more, to dig even deeper, to find a, a deeper footing, a deeper place, a foundational truth that says, and this, this is bedrock stuff that I need to live and apply in my life day, day to day. And the deeper we go, the hungry we are, the more he unfolds for us, and the more we see and the hungry we become for that. Uh, the greater confidence we have in actionable intelligence. Now, actionable intelligence is, is a law enforcement term or a military term, actually, that says we have enough intelligence to make a move, to pursue this purpose, this plan, this design, this, this mission, so forth, to make this arrest or get this, get this warrant. There's enough intelligence that we have, enough evidence in place. We've seen enough already to move on what we've already seen. That kind of actionable intelligence, he, he says, is what the deeper place will show you. It'll, it'll move you to the place of, I've seen enough, I've been exposed to enough, I've tasted enough of his word, I've tasted enough of his ways to understand that when I put those into practice, I become hungrier for his word and hungrier for his ways. That, that actionable intelligence, I know enough to move. Eventually, after that becomes a process, his plans for us become our plans for us. His ways, his design for us become our ways, our design, become the things we want. And his words, his active words become our words of action as well. They come from a plan of action. Active words spring from a plan of action. Fourthly, finally, not only do active words require us to do something, make practice perfect, spring from a plan of action, but active words are empty on their own. Look at verse 49. Those who hear my words and do not put them into practice are like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. It collapsed, and its destruction was complete. We examine our lives and discover that the norm for us has been more collapse than success, has been more failure than prosper. 
if that, if that looks to be the norm for us, it's time we, ref, we, we refuel. It's time we, we find a new source uh, to, to, to feed the actions in our lives, to feed the thought process in our lives. And that, that, that different source, that different fuel source, uh, is never going to be social media. It's never going to be TV. It's never going to really be any kind of infotainment that, that we seek to be fed by and grow, or, or grow by or learn from. He says it's going to be found in, in, in the truths and basics of his word. It's never going to fill your life like his word can. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 tells us that we are walkers out of or holders of or, or stewards of the mysteries of God. The mysteries God has revealed. That you and I as followers of Christ are containers, are vessels those mysteries God has revealed to to this world. Here's my question. What revelation are people seeing? What's being revealed? What as they look through the the lens to your life, uh, what are they seeing? Our our lives and our words, are they looking more like a living revelation and more like collapse? Are they living more like being walked out, lived out, applied, principled, truth, words of action, or more failure than not, no foundation, lacking a root system, uh, lacking the ability to communicate what we, what we say we believe. His words will have us living on a full tank, and that full tank should have cause us to leave others with a full tank when we're, when we're around them. I wonder what people glean from you. I wonder if they glean optimism or pessimism. I wonder if they, if they clean a full tank or somebody that's just, you know, you've been around those kind of folks and maybe have felt that way yourself. Maybe today already have felt, uh, it's just, this is more effort than I want to put down, than I want to put forth to make this. This is not important enough for me to put forth this amount of effort to make this happen. And so we find ourselves in a place of frustration, in a place that needs Needs a charge, needs, needs a refuel, needs a, a new, a new source for what motivates us to do what we do. Because uh, here's here's the real truth I want to get across to you today, and that's this: active words will love well. Active words will serve well. Active words words will encourage well. They'll apply grace well. Active words will give well. They'll serve well and live well. That's what active words look like. That's what this book put into practice looks like. It loves well. It gives well. It serves well. It applies grace and abundance well. Lives well. Gives well. So is that what we're, that what our words reveal? Is that what we're, we're walking out? Or when people look at us, do they see a cynic? I fear that they do in me. I can be real cynical. I can be real judgmental. I don't like being that way. Uh, my wife's tried to put me in shape the last 35 years. But I can be cynical because I'm truthful. And I cut to the hard truth of things oftentimes real easily. But I wonder what, what people see. I wonder if they see more pessimism in us or more optimism. More cynicism or more applied, active, lived out truth in us. Principle, walked out truth in us. Practice, day to day in us. Artificial intelligence is a new buzzword in our culture, technologically speaking. And 
It has everything to do with computer algorithms that determine everything from the purchases we make to our shopping trends to robots to everything. It's, it's permeating our, our technology. And as it, as it comes to <clears throat> artificial intelligence, I wonder if I wonder which AI you're living under. Actionable intelligence, that which you've seen and know to be true, or artificial intelligence, that which is hypothetical and may be true. I wonder, I wonder if many of us see our faith and see see something actionable or see something artificial. As we stand back and look at it and think, man, God's done that, he's done this and done this. What am I waiting on? I need to step into the doors that he's opening in front of me. What am I waiting on? Here's what he's already done again and again and again. Or if we look at the things he's done and think, that might have been God. Was that him? Was that really him? And looking at things artificially as opposed to what we know to be true and what our spirit says to us he's already done. So as we wrap up, the first question is this, sir. Are you living off of actionable or artificial intelligence? Are you living off that which you've known to be true? You put root to and put feet to before and found to be worthy of your time and attention and your service and your, and your best, more or less. Uh, I, I, I think the answer to that, how do I know? The answer to that, I think, is found in where we're getting our intelligence from as to whether it's actionable or artificial. Where's our intelligence coming? Is it coming from the, the newsmakers of this world or the designer of the next one? Is your intelligence coming from the newsmakers of this world or the one who's designed the next one for you? That has everything to say and do with where your, where your motivation of truth, what you believe and why you believe it and why you put it into practice. It has everything to do with where that comes from. Is Where am I sourcing that? Where am I sourcing truth? And then finally, does your life look more like potential or production? Does it look more like potential or production? Potential is a great thing, but it never does anything as long as it saves potential. Production is where God's called us to and for. It's what he's designed us for. Is your life more about possibility? Another way to ask that question, is your life more about possibility or more about fruit? Potential or production? Possibility or fruit? What have you seen? What have others seen out of your life? What have they gathered and gleaned from you? Is it, are you still just below, just below the surface, just below the place where, man, God can really get some glory out of my life and use my life for his, for his means and his end? Or have you already seen that? You, you've already realized it. Perhaps you've allowed it to crust over and then you scratch it off again and say, I need to put the things I already know to be true into practice. As I see that to happen in my life, God will start to get more glory from me. He'll start to feed me. My hunger will start to grow. I'll cease to be a person of possibility and begin to be a person of production for him. Here's, here's kind of a hint to the, the answer to that question, whether you're, whether you're about possibility or production. Your words are going to tell the story for you. The things you talk about, the things that are important to you, the things that you value. I wonder if our conversation is more about the things of this world or the things of the next world. The things we've have yet to experience with the things we've already known to be true. The things that God has sown into us even as, as, as a kid, as a, points of action early in our faith, or we're still seeking mileage and still trying to find root 
20, 30, 40 years into our faith, still, still trying to find enough depth to say, I know this to be true every time, every time. A lot of the truth is going to be spelled out in the things we talk about, right? things that become conversational to us and, and become easy for us to, to conversationalize. I've shared, I've done a, n- a number of uh, different kinds of evangelism training courses over the years and trained folks in evangelism. But I, I put it this way, it's as simple as succinct as I, know, as I know how to put it. When you can learn to conversationalize your faith, people around you are going to come to Christ. When you can learn to conversationalize your faith, make it a part of everyday conversation. And that's not easy. But it is learned behavior. When we can learn to conversationalize our faith, see the open doors and step through them, people around us are going to come to Christ. Regardless of what method we use or what, what means we use to, to bring someone to a saving knowledge of Jesus, it has to, a lot to do with conversationalizing our faith, putting our words into practice and practicing that word again and again and again and again. The word becomes natural. It becomes second nature to us, not something we have to study for or conjure up from somewhere, but that is who we are. It is in the DNA of how God, how he's wired us and who we are at the core. Uh, our words need to have action to them. They need to be put into practice and his word far more than ours. Let's pray.